silly is that? What are we talking about? Let's go do basketball. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Hoop Dreams, the basketball podcast on the 8-Bit Collective, and of course, powered by our friends at Audio-Technica. My name is Matt Tilby, and I'm joined by the Rip Hamilton and Chauncey Billups of the 8-Bit Collective. I'll let you decide who is who. It's John Peck and Brendan White. Boys, how we doing? What a do, baby. Doing good. Thank you, sir. Um... I might go Rip. I think I'll go Rip. He had a bit of a yeah. beard game, and I, I like a I like a man with a headband. So I'm going to go Rip and a face are mask. We, yeah, I was going to say we just completely overlooking the fact that he had the iconic face mask for most of his career. Man, I I don't see uh, derogatory things like that. I just uh, <laughs> see the man for what he was. But yeah, the face mask was something special. Well, uh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, a new year, a new year of hoop dreams, a new year of basketball for us. Um, and before we jump into anything basketball related we must give a big round of congratulations to our own john opec for becoming a dad um, of course he and his lovely wife hannah welcoming little micah peck into the world how's the uh, how's the sleeping going sleeping's it's, it's, good uh, getting a lot of sleep <laughs> people it's all it's all lies about the sleep now nah, micah's yeah. little micah jay's uh doing just fine I've, i think i've got a good one he knows when to sleep Nice, nice. He knows <laughs> when good. to not disrupt Daddy's special time. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, we've we've been given the uh, the news that he's already received a uh, a Bulls jersey, so he's been indoctrinated mm. into the uh, the Bulls family. Yeah, I think um, by so... the time he's old enough to watch the Bulls, might actually be good. We'll see. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. Where I've got my number ready to call Docs. It's uh, ready to press the, the call button because that is some child abuse with these poor bullies. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but no, man. Yeah. Congrats. Thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, you, you're going to be a great dad, or you already are a great dad, and you're going to continue to be a great dad. And uh, now you've got something to cheer for. That's got some uh, you know realistic chance of being successful in your bubba as opposed to them Bulls. Yeah. Definitely. Hopefully, he's got a better jump shot than I do. Yeah, I don't think it'll be too long before we see him on the court. So uh, time will tell. Uh, but of course, we do jump into basketball, um, and of course, we must start with the, uh, of course, the tragic news of the passing of former NBA commissioner David Stern, who passed mm. away on New Year's Day this year at the age of seventy-seven. Uh, Brendan, I want to start with you. Obviously, uh, we talked about this in our sort of little facebook group that we've got going for our fantasy team uh, or our fantasy nba league i should say um and i sort of made the point that love him or hate him and let's be honest a lot of people hated him um whether that's in jest or not but you can't deny the impact he had on the nba as a whole yeah, hundred percent. Like, obviously, one of his biggest achievements, I'd say, is he he launched the WNBA, which is starting to thrive, and and now that they've uh, sort of got their new collective bargaining agreement sorted out, where I think they're getting minimum six figure contracts now, even for sort of the more fringe players of the WNBA, which I think's which I think's pretty pretty impressive in itself. But um, mm. he's he's done mm. really well. Like he's he's made some mistakes, I think, as anybody would in that type of uh, position or hot seat. But what's he brought on? I think it was seven teams he's brought on during his tenure there. So, um, you know, some notable ones like the Timberwolves is maybe here nor there, but like the, the Magic and the Heat, I think, are probably two of the, the crown jewels. Then obviously Raptors. my Toronto Raptors in 1995. <laughs> the Grizzlies, uh, yeah, lest we forget. Yeah. And then um, you know, Charlotte Bobcats still sort of... Uh, kicking around but yeah i don't know i don't know i think i think he's done very very well uh, during his lifetime and his tenure as the commish to to sort of take that nba to a global market like it's it's one of the biggest sort of team sports in the world nowadays mm. and in no small part i think to what stern did uh took it outside the united states and and really sort of grew that grew that market and a lot of mm. european players and, and players from outside the united states of america have jumped on and flocked in i guess evidence you know the donk now coming over he's the next european crown jewel to to take this game further worldwide but yeah big loss you know and it happened so suddenly like i think he sort of uh was admitted to hospital and then what was it in the span of a week or, or not even maybe a handful of days he, he passed so mm. yeah it's a tragedy you know you never wish that on anybody but like i guess the positive is at least it wasn't a painful drawn-out process but he's uh no his memory's going to live on forever yeah it's obviously a, a big loss like you've said but i think as you correctly pointed out the way he was able to expand the game from something that was purely an american 
um, sort of watched product and was able to take regular season games to places like Mexico City and even London. Fingers crossed we get, you know, a game in Australia at, at some point. But I think that global aspect that he was able to, I guess, um, foster in its early days and then now obviously we're seeing you know the fruits of that labor being sort of produced by uh the man who would uh, succeed him in in adam silver um but I, like you sort of said i feel like his biggest accomplishment was cr- creating the league's sort of professional look um of course mm. he was around when we we of course had the malice at the palace and he brought in the you know the the dress code everyone yeah. was wearing suits and everyone was more professional um to sort of you know shy away from the fact that you know some of these players are you know pretty scary men all that sort of stuff but he he had a sense for what people wanted to see and i think he really brought the game to another level and um obviously we're seeing it now but yeah i think what he was able to do in, in such a, a tumultuous time in the NBA's, um, I guess, infancy or its or its lean years was, you can't underestimate that. Definitely. And like he started in 1984, same year that Jordan came into the league. And those two were kind of tied together, I think, for a lot of good reasons in the way that as a pair, they were able to market the game to the world. And even in America, the NBA wasn't what it is now when Jordan came in. Larry Bird and Magic Johnson were just starting to catch people's eye, but it was really Jordan that helped elevate the excitement and the kind of hype around the game on the court. And the decisions that David's made, like allowing his players to play in the Dream Team in the Olympics, for example, or, or being a part of the process that made that possible, was just huge for the NBA and for the reputation of the league and, and for the sport. So... I really had a lot of respect for David Stern and his personality and his like Vince McMahon-ness, even like at the drafts where <laughs> he had a bit of swagger and, about him, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, they'd like boo, <laughs> and he would literally do like the Hulk Hogan, like putting his hand behind his ears, just uh, waving to people. Yeah, like, just, yeah, hey. he just loved it. He knew who he was, and he knew how people saw him, and it didn't matter. He just was an instrumental part of making the NBA what it is today and oversaw mm. a lot of the rule changes and things that have made the NBA the exci- exciting product that it is like taking away hand checking. Yeah. Uh, I guess there was like a couple of failed experiments with the shorter three point line that were short lived, but he wasn't afraid to change things. And as you mentioned with the dress code and some of the rules about like going into the crowd, like putting his foot down and, and making sure the NBA was being presented in the best light possible so i think Mm. we owe a lot to him and adam silver came in i think at the perfect time uh he was you know there for some really big decisions like the whole sterling incident donald sterling and some of the great stuff that adam silver's been able to do early that has given him like a really high popularity rating i guess compared to what david stern was more draconian in his later days later years but yeah, to think that so soon after being hugely involved in the NBA, he's just gone is kind of crazy. But uh, yeah, we he, he'll live on forever as the uh, you know with things named after him, trophies and tournaments one day maybe. Who knows? But I'm sure yeah. that we um, will will always remember what he was able to do for the game. Yeah, as his legacy will obviously live on through a, a bunch of the things that are currently happening in the NBA right now. Of course, uh, all 30 teams wearing the little black patch on their shoulder uh, on the jersey to commemorate him. And I'm, I'm certain that if this mid-season tournament comes about, I'm sure there's a good chance it'll probably be named mm. after him. But uh, of course, our, our thoughts do go out to his family, his friends and his former colleagues um, at a pretty difficult time. But uh, yeah, let's jump into the league in general. And uh, well, I guess one of the bigger sort of events happened just today. Uh, Of course, the Los Angeles Lakers keep on winning, but uh, they were stopped by, I guess, a former number one draft pick in the the form of Markel Fultz, who uh, showed what he could do. Uh, John O'Peck, he Mm. pretty much put on a show in, in Los Angeles. Yeah, it's crazy to think that this guy was 
seen in the same breath as some of the previous Philly disappointing draft picks like Okafor and Nerlens Noel and Michael Carter-Williams and they kind of gave up on him and you'd think rightfully so after the struggles that he'd had and the way that his jump shot looked but yeah just seeing what he's been able to do for that Orlando team keeping them in the playoff hunt is really encouraging and, and a great NBA story it just sucks for all those Philly fans who've had to uh, watch it happen <laughs> <laughs> It's it's an interesting team, Orlando. When you look at them, they feel like a bunch of misfits, but mm, then yeah. they're such a cohesive uh, bunch of misfits. <laughs> if that's a, a good way to put it, because you know you've got a huge amount of big men. You've got guys like Aaron Gordon. You've got Al Farouk Aminu, Jonathan Isaac. They've clearly got Bamba. Yes, even Mo Bamba. Mo they've got Bamba. They've got and Vucevic, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They've got this influx of of, uh, of of big men, and obviously that may come to um, that may well relate to the Orlando Magic as uh, trade rumors heat up before the deadline. But yeah, they just continue to surprise, and and you know if you look at the standings, they're still in with a shot of uh, you know scraping into the uh, the playoffs. They're currently seventh at the moment with a twenty and twenty one record, but. Yeah, they could be there or thereabouts, Brendan. Yeah, it's it's surprising. Like, as you said, they've got a bit of a, a ragtag, motley crew, but they've got talent. Like, some of those players you highlighted, like Vucevic has been a you know a pretty high-end center who's developed a three-point shot over the last few years and is really starting to come into his own instant offense in, in the way of sort of guys like Terrence Ross off the bench. Um, the biggest thing for me, I think, is Aaron Gordon. I thought he's going to take another step this year, but he sort of regressed. Like, he's mm. a hell of a talent. Like, he's mm. he's sort of like a bigger uh, Zach Levine, really. Like, they're just these freak athletes that can just post up and, like, posterize anybody, sort of score, not quite at will, but they sort of do it just in this crazy, entertaining way. But he's just sort of idle this year, sort of stagnant. So it's it's cool to see Fultz come full circle to, to sort of maybe some of that initial hype because I think he was what compared to uh, Lillard when he was coming out right he was this next sort of small school point guard that sort of um, scored like crazy in college and and yeah Philly Philly grabbed him and, and then he just you know had a broken shot that got broke again and they broke it another time and he got bounced around and traded for a, a bag of chips by the end of it so it's cool to see him sort of um rebuilding this potential legacy and and starting to find his feet there like because they've had a lot of rotation um like the magic have is at the point guard like i thought alfred payton was going to be their man for for the future and now he's over there kicking it at the knicks and um yeah it's 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 always nice to see like they haven't really been relevant since sort of prime dwight howard days so it's nice to see the magic sort of i think building for the future bamba hasn't really taken that step yet um as far as the the next elite rim protector but they've, they've got a cool cool assortment of young guys that seem to be hungry and and, and be playing well together mm, well uh we're going to continue in the eastern conference with a, a team full of well similarly cool young guys uh the miami heat have surprised us all and they're currently in the second spot in the eastern conference with a 28 and 12 record brendan what's happening with this team they're surprising everyone yeah like um i I know they've sort of had one of the weakest strengths of schedules um as as far as from a league-wide perspective but their defense they've they've been locking they've been locking teams down adebayo has really stepped up jimmy butler has at least cooled his hot-headedness, it feels like, um, now that he is, I guess, the true 1A or the 1A, B, and C, you could almost say, at the <laughs> Heat. Like, I think he's happy that he's he's got a crown and everyone else is sort of uh, deferring to him. Like, look at Dragic coming off the bench. Like, he's sort of really embracing this six-man role. Uh, they got a couple of good young guys. Like, Kendrick Nunn is, is having quite the year as well as far as one of the unheralded rookies you know, come out of nowhere that's it's sort of i think he's scoring about 16 17 points a game at the moment which is pretty impressive yeah. but they've just got a, a, a good complementary team like no real superstars outside of butler but Adebayo is certainly on the up i think i'm a big fan of him like he's he's got great uh, ball handling skills and and can can dish dish a good assist up uh, he's one of my sort of crushes to watch and they've just got 
it's got a pretty well-rounded team, but I'm curious to see where they end up at the end of the season. Like, I don't know if it's going to keep up as far as number two in the East come, you know, the end of 82 games. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if uh, obviously Boston and Toronto can uh, keep up the pace, uh, or, or of course, with Miami, um, because it's, like you said, still very early days, but uh, an interesting sort of uh, shape for the Eastern Conference as well. But uh, yeah, I mean... At this point in time, obviously, all-star voting has, I mean, confused and um, <laughs> irated some some people, if that's uh, even a word, uh, including myself, uh, because the most recent voting uh, list came out, I believe, about a week ago, and you know the uh, the regular regular suspects were uh, were all there, but uh, it was really just the pretty much the uh, supporting cast that seemed to um, ruffle a few feathers, including the likes of Alex Caruso and uh, Taco Fall. <laughs> it, happens uh, every year, it happens every year. Like We get Zaza Peculiar getting votes from his home country and you know, there's years where Alan Iverson has played 12 minutes a game off the bench and he's been voted as a starter. It just happens. Like It, it won't like, it won't happen really because it's only 50% of the vote coming from the fans but the players are just as bad like I remember last year there were backups and dudes who were like 12th man on the bench getting votes almost as a joke you'd have to think so yeah it's it's good that the media takes it seriously Mm. (laughs) and the coaches I guess well it's interesting because it looks as if I don't know that was an old article thank god because it looked like Derek Rose was uh almost leading the the guards um in middle he's, he's fourth he's fourth in guard voting so I'm yeah i mean look that. i would i would <laughs> yeah. not be uh too un too upset with that but uh it, steph curry was leading the votes for the guards on that article so and he's not played a game since october so he's fourth yeah. on the uh in the western voting so uh yeah he's, he's still getting some love what um i ask you this mr uh, matt tilby and mr john opec what would be your starting five for the west and the Ooh. east jeez yeah, that is uh, that's a, a loaded question. Look, it's all right. I'll start okay. while you guys mull it <laughs> over. Yours. We didn't think we didn't think about uh, no. preempting this, but uh, <laughs> you know, hot takes around here. Uh, I'll start with the West. I'm going uh, Luca mm-hmm. and James Harden, uh, coupled with Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis as my starting five. Uh, I've, I've even I got into it. I've done the full bench and everything, uh, but I won't go through everybody. But I've got. Um, Jokic, Cat, Paul George, Brendan Ingram, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Damian Lillard, and my honourable, who I'm just in love with, is Ja Morant because he is turning <laughs> on. He's a, he lot, is a lot, lot of fun. Of fun. Um, yeah. I mean, looking at it now, of course, the most recent vote from the 10th of January: um, James and Doncic leading the way for the West, Giannis and Trey Young leading the way for the East, which is fun to see. Um, Look, for, for the West, I think James and Davis obviously have to make it, and you could even have the case for, for Leonard um, starting as well. But, yeah, really it's got to be James, Davis, Doncic, Harden, and then, yeah, either uh, Jokic or Kat um, starting at the center position. All I all I really want is just for Devin Booker to, to make the team in general because um, he's been <laughs> overlooked. It's been far too long. Um He's been playing out of his skin for a team who just have not been providing him the help. So, um, fingers crossed. It's a loaded position. It is. I mean, you look at... Like, look at the list. Well, yeah. It's hard to see anyone... I mean, even Stephen Curry getting almost 600,000 votes at the time of post, and he's not played since October, uh, speaks volumes about how seriously people are taking this. Yeah. like I said, and even like Paul George, oh not Paul George, Chris Paul uh, should be in there. He's he's sort of having a bit of a bit of a quietly yeah. good year with OKC. Even even Shy, uh, I don't think he should start or anything, but he should be worthy of some votes because mm. he is turning it on up there at uh, Oklahoma. I mean, even in the East as well, it's it's an interesting sort of uh, I guess list there. Bam Adebayo playing out of his skin for the Heat, like you said, and. At least at this point, being outvoted by Taco Fall by a good two hundred thousand votes, um, 
Yeah. Bam's on my bench. I would say pr- probably Bam and yeah. as well as uh, Demarta Sabonis also making the bench as well. Um, yeah. Absolutely killing it for Indiana. I would absolutely love to see, like you said, Derek Rose, Jono, make the uh, the team. Um, and Zach Levine as well, because um, there seems to be some rumblings that uh, if he does make the uh, the all-star team, he's more likely to compete in the dunk contest. Um, yeah. And I feel like... That's well, a good week, yeah, it, I reckon. Just commit it, or one it way does, or the other. <laughs> it does lead us on nicely to, uh, I guess, our predictions for uh, our competitors for all-star saturday night um but i guess the the two major ones of course being the the three-point contest and the slam dunk contest brendan we've had rumors of three players so far uh for the three-point contest uh luca trey young and duncan robinson from the miami heat um who else do you think you'd like to see in the contest Give me some yes. Joe Ingles up in here. Absolutely, he is uh, he is splashing like no one's business at the moment. Um, yeah, give me give me some some Aussie pride. Give me some uh, Utah Jazz Joe Ingles. That's uh, that's who I'd love to see just to get a little uh, you know a bit of bit of proudness here for the nation. But he's he's genuinely obviously a good shooter and he and he's and he's playing playing lights out the last couple of couple of games or couple of weeks with the Jazz since moving there's, back in the starting lineup. So uh, there's a give me some look. It's it's not been a, a particularly solid you know couple of games for for Aaron Baines since uh, the return of DeAndre Ayton. But from what I've been hearing, he's got a pretty solid uh, three point uh, stat on him. So. Perhaps uh, an appearance mm. for All Star Weekend for the big man. Who knows? Maybe make it all Aussie and bring Ben Simmons <laughs> in there too. Just Dante Exum can jump in there. He sort yeah. of had a decent game the other other day, but then got sick or something. So um, yeah, just let's go all Aussie three points. Yeah, let's get uh, let's yanks? get Thon Maker in for the skills challenge. I think that'd be uh, fun to watch. Uh, <laughs> it's in yeah, Chicago, it right? Yeah. So I don't know what excuse. Zach Levine would have to not be there, really. Well, he lives there, so put him in the three-point shootout. Put him in the dunk <laughs> comp. I want to see. I want to see yeah, what he can look, do. When we turn our attention to the the slam dunk contest, um, it looks as if the only confirmed entrant is Derek Jones Jr. from the Heat. Um, I've been seeing so much rumbling about whether Dwight Howard has been confirmed or has been a rumored entrant. God. I don't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> can anyone shed more light on this than I can? It's just. Uh, he's denied it but then it's like is he playing coy is he is it part of his you know push like his Mm. marketing thing i don't know but he's has said he's not doing well so yeah brendan there's uh via chris haynes of yahoo sports this will be of interest to you it looks like jar morant has been a rumored entrant he's mulling the decision Mm. I, I would be all about that, but my my dream for the the dunk contest is Vince Carter <laughs> to turn back the clock and get those uh forty odd year old knees out mm-hmm. there and uh you know sort of go full circle because he erupted onto sort of the global scene I'd say with his uh slam dunk comp <sighs> antics way back when in the the late nineties there so yeah it's his last year get him get him there they celebrated uh, a couple of sort of retirees yeah. last year so let's do the same with Vince and get him in the dunk comp. I hate to disappoint you, but the last quote I heard about it was no chance from Vince. <laughs> so it's not looking good. I do think Ja Morant would be like the smartest thing he could do because his stock is so high right now as far as being like the poster boy, a surefire rookie of the year candidate at the moment, unless Zion averages mm. like 30 in the second half of the year. But I think, uh, yeah, if he goes in that dunk comp and pulls off anything like he's able to do in games, he just... I- yeah. I huge, was of the impression move. that the reigning champion from the last year would compete again. Uh, so I'm surprised not to see any rumors of Hamadou Diallo, uh, I guess, competing in this year's contest. But uh, look, let's be honest, last year's contest was pretty weak. So it's probably a good thing he isn't there. But yeah. I mean, and he's not either crap name. or less crap these days. That's the problem. It's just a bunch of Johnny Randos yeah. most of the time. Like, but. But I guess I mean, it's still better than dude yeah. jumping over Kia's. <laughs> yeah. You do get, like, a big name most years. Like, people often forget Giannis was in the dunk comp a couple of oh, years yeah, ago. Oh, yeah, he was. And then he just didn't really land his, his moves. But I don't even think Diallo's in the NBA at the moment. 
So that would be the reason he's not coming Yikes. back. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> clearly, I have done my research on this, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm just I'm looking at his Wikipedia page, and it doesn't have stats for this year. So either Wikipedia is behind or he's mm. out. So which of those is more likely? I'm going to guess well, that he's, he's not around. To be honest, the uh, the four of Jones Jr., Howard, Morant, and Levine would be a pretty solid uh, mix of old and new. So uh, I guess that's really the, the the one event that people look forward to on All-Star Saturday. So time will tell, but uh, it should be a good weekend nonetheless. Um, and uh, now we jump into the fun part as we get to talk trade rumors of course the deadline is fast approaching and the uh, the rumor mill has been fired up pretty recently of course there's a couple of major um, rumors surrounding a couple of key pieces for teams but uh, I thought it'd be interesting if we go through I guess a couple of them at the moment and see what we uh, suspect might happen or places that they may go uh, because the the big one that's been rumbling for I guess the longest time has been Mr. Kevin Love of course, we discussed him possibly getting a uh, a plane ticket for Christmas. It doesn't seem like that's happened yet. Um, <laughs> g- give it time. Give it time. Give it time. Just just paying it, trying to pay it with miles. They don't want to use real cash, so they're just uh, pooling all their points, and they're going to uh, get that ticket. Well, to it seems weird because people are saying that he signed the new contract and then almost immediately had a spat at the front office, at the Cavs front office, um, and there's now rumors that people. The other GMs are saying that he's got very little trade value um, and wouldn't be worth much in, in any sort of potential trade. But, I mean, what do you do with, with Kevin Love, Jono? Like, he's been around the league. He's a, a solid veteran presence. But where do you go from here? It's a tough one because he did just sign this massive contract recently enough that you'd think he knew what he was signing on for. Maybe they told him they were going to do a few moves that haven't eventuated but he really seems unhappy so i don't know it, it seems like it's not something you want around the young guys at this point he is like a great personality you'd think he would be a great leader but if he's not happy there's no reason to keep him there and it's just finding something that they can like get in return that matches his salary it's not going to be easy it'd have to be an expiring uh which isn't much use to them because who's really going to sign there as a free agent or it would have to be a bunch of small pieces with probably i don't know bigger contracts than they're worth it's it's just a it doesn't look good for cleveland Mm. at the moment tilby would you be happy if you got traded to your beloved phoenix suns look as a as a veteran presence yes um as 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 far as a a firebrand sort of uh, emotional player, no. Um, it's a tough one because I feel like he stretches the floor a bit more than Dario Saric can. Um, but, you know, it's... Because obviously you'll have Aiton patrolling down low, but, yeah, it, it's difficult because he's clearly regressed. Um, you saw him, you know, a couple of years ago even. He was, you know, at the top of his game, but... I think in a in a on a sinking ship, he just knows that he just doesn't want to try. Um, yeah, look, mm. I think he'd be a, a better sort of stretch power forward than people suspect on any sort of team. But I don't know if I'd want to take that chance, and I, I really think that's what you know other GMs are, are sort of thinking as well. It's like it's a big risk for what could be very little reward. Um, but yeah, I don't, I'm I personally am not sure. Mm. we'll see I think he'll end up like as often with these things the trade deadline comes and goes and it's not till the off season that exactly but uh, there is one player who may have fallen out of favour on a successful team and that is Kyle Kuzma Um, rumblings over the last week and a half have been deafening um, in La La Land with the I guess the LeBron and AD show sort of pushing uh, the youngster to the outer. This is a difficult one because they've obviously offloaded a lot of their talent to gain AD and now immediately pushing a, a younger player like Kyle Kuzma, who we all sort of suspected was going to be there for 
the future, it, it sense, it's a sense of the Lakers want to win now, just to do anything to win now. Um, do you feel the same way, Brendan? Do you feel like this is them just immediately putting all of their chips forward? Yeah, like because he's their he's their sixth man at the moment, so he's a valuable piece to that roster. But LeBron teams have notoriously been pretty thin; they've always been pretty top heavy. So mm. I wouldn't be surprised to see them trade Kuzma, especially after this past week. Like with Davis being injured and, and LeBron sort of battling various ailments, Kuzma's really stepped up and he's he's had a couple of games, you know, high twenties and thirty point games here. Uh, so he's sort of coming hot at the right time especially if they're going to trade him off like to to sort of further bring his value up he's, he's a good piece like he's a great young piece and he'd fit in yeah. with with any any good young core um it, it's just interesting what what they want to do like i was reading some sort of trade rumors the other day about potentially memphis um you know flicking iggy their way and, and them getting kuzma and whatever back to match the salary out and then kuzma can sort of grow with that uh that young grizzlies core there with morant and triple j and valentunas who's been absolutely beasting um so yeah i don't know i, I can certainly mm. see him traded uh because you know, LeBron does what LeBron wants to do when uh, everyone just falls in line. So if he sort of says, um, I want this guy gone, there's a chance that he's going to be yeah. gone by February 6th. So, yeah, it would yeah. not surprise me at all. would not surprise me at all. It's going to be hard finding something that matches coming back. He's on such a great contract being so young that they'd almost have to trade him for another young guy. And whether there's another team with a guy who's not quite working out, I don't know, but... Getting someone back like that and throwing them straight into a team like the Lakers, it it's a tough one. I don't really, I really can't see what's going to work that's going to make the Lakers better, especially as a team that's gearing up for a pretty like shallow roster heading into the playoffs. Well, Iguodala, I... baby, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Dollar doesn't work. We've talked about this. I can't see how you could make am... it work. Unless they get rid of Danny Green, which he's like yeah. so important yeah. to the or way Pope. they play. Chuck Pope in there. He'll help balance the salaries out. I know he's got like a player well, option uh, and he can void stuff, but LeBron just threatens to give him a backhand. <laughs> and like, know, so let's go. It's just hard finding someone that fills that like extra like $6 million because I think Danny Green's on about 11 or 12. Iggy's a $17 million deal. And then you've got the young guy, Kuzma, on like one or two mil. So. Yeah, there's a real huge gap in on the Lakers between their most of their players and their highest paid players. I've got a couple other scenarios for Iggy that actually work. I did them in the oh, okay. trade machine. Yeah, I, I, I was. Them. I was I'm, actually I'm going to uh, to All quickly right. point out a hypothetical of my own that I'm reading from uh, mm. from one Mr. Nathan Friesen who writes for a website called Sir Charles in Charge, which is, I guess, a uh, nice. A Barkley reference of some sort, but um, yeah, he's he's put up a little hypothetical trade uh, between the Lakers and the Timberwolves, and he he's uh, proposed uh, Kyle Kuzma and KCP for Robert Covington and Jake Lehman. Um, Jono, do you see something like that working in both teams' favor? Who was the Kuzma the first and two KCP? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I I think that would be quite good because then the Timberwolves would get a young player to pair up with Cat, who's not named Andrew <laughs> Wiggins, and the Lakers would get a, like a really solid guy in Covington. Like I think he. I would, think Covington's better than Kuzma right now, though. I yeah, love Covington. Covington. Covington's a guy who is going to bounce around a lot because his contract's so good, and he's the kind of guy that just does mm. everything. And you can count on him. He, he'll hit shots when he needs to. He'll defend most of the players on the floor. I think that he's a waste where he is in Minnesota. And it's such a shame that Philly had to get rid of him because he'd be so mm. good on their team now. Well, let's, uh, yep. let's hear some of the, uh, the possibilities that you've got. All right. These are my two Iguodala uh, <laughs> scenarios. So the first one would send him... I'm thinking he's going to want to play for a winner. And it's only a winner that's really going to want to get him to add that kind of extra wing uh, defensive player in the playoffs. Someone with a cool head who's been to the finals, knows what it's about. So the first one would be Oklahoma City. You know, they've started to win a few games. They're 
bowling out lately and Chris Paul's the kind of guy that you can see just dragging them into the maybe the playoffs at like a sixth seed. Maybe they get lucky in the first series. Maybe there's a few injuries up the top of the you know conference that open the way for them. There's a there's a best case scenario where Oklahoma can can really go far. And I think if they add Iguodala and Jay Crowder from Memphis in exchange for Nerlens Noel, Danilo Gallinari's expiring twenty two million dollar contract. And then Oklahoma has to throw in the Suns' 2021 first-round pick. Mm. Who who says no? Yeah, I, I think that's pretty fair. I think that's pretty fair for both sides, to be honest. I don't mind that. Crowd Crowd has got a little bit of value. Danilo, when he's healthy, mm. he's just good instant offense. Like he's he's a big athletic wing, yeah. but just hopefully he stays healthy. That's always been his thing ever since you know, the, the Denver, New York days and everything like that. So The thing the thing with Gallinari is he's scoring really well. At the moment he's averaging like 18 points a game, but I feel like once it gets to the playoffs, they're going to be wanting to see Paul George score. They're wanting to see, obviously, Kawhi Leonard and Lou Williams get a lot of shots up. I don't think they'll need Gallinari's 18 points a game. I think they'll be able to find that elsewhere, especially when you bring in Iguodala and Crowder's pretty handy as a, a piece off the bench for a team that doesn't have like heaps of mm. depth. I, look, I, I feel the same way as Brendan, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think the 2021 20, pick is worth more? Like, do you think they could get something better for that? Uh, it's hard to say. Like, picks, it's fool's gold, to be honest, unless you are the Hawks or something right now where you are just literal bottom of the barrel. There, there's no guarantee the you're going to get that surefire stuff. Sorry, what was that? What did I so, hear? Yeah, I don't know. You didn't say the Suns, did you? Okay. I said it is the Suns. You know. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. Well, they're, what are you, the 11th, 11th in the West at the moment. Yeah. So, you know, a, a couple of games back from eight, three games back from eighth in the in the yeah. conference. We'll, so we'll tank for RJ yeah, Hampton. All hope is not much. lost there in, in Phoenix. <laughs> We've got RJ I'm on just messing with you. Uh, my other one is Utah getting involved. You know, this is a team that started off pretty badly. Mike Conley wasn't playing great, and he seems to be getting into the swing of things now. And they've moved up to the third seed, but I think they could really go far with that extra defensive wing. So in this scenario, Memphis would get back Jordan Clarkson and Ed Davis straight up for Iguodala. So I guess if you're Memphis, you're getting a young guard in Clarkson to play alongside the rest of your young talent. It's not an amazing haul, but I feel like who's going to offer something better for Iguodala that actually works? That's where it, what it comes They'd down to. They'd need to throw in me. a pick as well. Like Ed Davis yeah, has it, zero yeah. value. Like I've known him since obviously the Raps drafted him <laughs> way back when, and he's done sweet FA since being bounced out of the air and playing for Portland and a few other teams. So yeah, like Clarkson, yeah. I don't mind Clarkson, but I think they want, they'd want some more. Like it's crazy that they're going to get some value off this Iggy off this Iggy contract when he hasn't played all season. Like no doubt he's keeping himself healthy and he's ready to yeah. go to a contender. This is the part I'm left out. So the Grizzlies traded their number one round one pick to the Jazz for Mike Conley. Can the Jazz trade it back to the Grizzlies? Because if that works, then the Grizzlies would retain their pick, which was uh, top seven protected, but it would, could have been like, I don't know. It, it's looking like it might be a 15 to 30 kind of pick, which would be pretty handy yeah. for a team like that. I think you can bounce them back. I yeah. think there's no there real go. sort of, you know, no swapsies type of rule in place in yeah. the NBA. Obviously, <laughs> I like just don't think, term, I, I don't think I've ever heard, <laughs> like heard of teams doing that at all recently. So it would be unheard of. It'd be good. But yeah. I'd love to see that. <laughs> oh dear. Um, any more, Jono? No, that's it. They're the ones that the trade machine mm. seem to like. So, yeah. I, I want to I mean, ask you guys. Obviously, we we support three different teams. What do you want your team to be at the deadline? Do you want to try mm. and be semi buyers? Are you, are you sellers based off your positioning on the 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 ladder at the moment? What's what's the goal? Or are you just going to stand pat and and sort of pass? I wouldn't mind seeing the Bulls 
give up one of their young bigs. I really have liked Markkinen up to this point in his career, but I feel like he's probably not taken that next step that you really wanted to see. He's got such a good game when he's playing well, but he's been really inconsistent. Uh, and they have a lot of talent with Wendell Carter Jr. And I guess you you want to know which is like who's going to be your, your five guys going ahead. And if they don't all play on the court at the same time, there's not a lot mm. of point in having them there when you could trade for picks or, or other potential yeah, Daniel Gafford looking good off the bench mm. for you guys as well. So it looks like you've definitely got a, a, a young, solid core uh, in place. For the Suns, I feel like I don't think we're going to be making too many moves before the deadline anyway. I feel like as as up and down as the season has been, I think the core pieces were really picked up for us um, preseason um, signing players like Ricky Rubio and, and Aaron Baines and, and, and Saric as well. Um it's tough because as much as I would love us being one of those buying teams that, that goes all out at the, at the deadline, I feel like the potential for us to, to really make a, you know, a fist of things at, at the, uh, at the draft is probably too much to, uh, to look up. Like I said, I mean, I made a joke that we were going to try and get RJ Hampton as a, as a point guard, but whether or not we, trade Ricky's absurd salary um, and and just I don't want to say we we're, we're going to tank but whether we you know accept the fact that we're going to go for a high lottery pick whether that you know comes to it but yeah I don't know time will tell it's it's tough because I don't see is falling like that low in the standings to get a high high pick I think you're going to be at the back mm. end of the lottery like the worry is you and you and me and Jono are a fighting chance of putting up some points against them at the moment. Like the Hawks, the Knicks, the Cavs, uh, they're they're all pretty woeful, and I think they're just about done deals. Like the Timberwolves, I don't know what they're like. Are they going to continue to implode? Like they are just a mess. Like Cats, going to come back eventually, one would hope. But man, that team we talked about them as a potential dark horse to get into the finals, and yet they are getting towed week after week at the moment. I think the Pellies will will start to sort of make some noise uh, once once big Zion fever hits us uh, next week. I think the 22nd is the, the rumor mill yeah. day that when he makes his uh, season debut. So him and, and hopefully Drew Holiday is healthy and back, back in the lineup there. But also um, Ingram is absolutely on fire at the moment. My goodness, he is playing himself into some money next year. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I don't know. I can't see the Suns bottoming out for a, a top three pick, even if they probably cop another injury. They've got a they've got a good young mm. balanced team, and you know that's something that I don't think even you as a, a Suns truther was sort of feeling prior to the season. Like they've been a bit of a su- surprise packet. Like it's sort of come back down to yeah. earth now. But you know, they started with a bomb, and they've got some good good young players like Kelly Oubre's having the the season of his life at the moment. Um, and then you've got obviously Booker and Co that are doing their thing. So you know, the sun is bright there, but yeah, not not bright enough for the finals, not dark enough for <laughs> top three lottery. I yeah, think, so. I think it'll be somewhere within the top ten uh, for us in terms of a pick, which could still, you know, looking at the draft pool, could garner us um, something pretty solid. Um, whether or not we mm-hmm. do end up getting into the top five to really get the the solid gold uh, of a draft pick remains to be seen. But yeah, I think we can, hey, we can make... remember where the Pelicans' odds were when they got the number one pick. So yeah, and w- you're in with the chance no matter what with these flat Yeah, dogs. exactly. Everyone loves a good old-fashioned rigged lottery. Given the- <laughs> but, uh, that's probably a discussion for another day. But I'd, I don't know what I want my raps to do, to be honest, come trade deadline. Like, I think... It, for all intents and purposes, we need to get rid of Abaka or Gasol, trade one of our bigs for maybe one of the other bigs that are out there on the market just to sort of shake things up a little bit. You say that, Brendan. The rumors are that you could possibly be uh, in the market for Andre Drummond. Yeah, which, um, like, I know he's one of these other poster, ch- poster children for, like, hollow stats, you know. He, <laughs> he fills up the sheet but doesn't account to win share, but... He's been playing with a bunch of turds his entire <laughs> career, so maybe coming to a winning culture it might sort of rejuvenate the big fella. So I wouldn't be opposed to it. Like, you know, our weakness right now is rebounds, and, and he eats rebounds for breakfast, so it would help us. But 
I'm curious to see if there will be a bit of a culture clash or he will embrace the, you know, the We the North lifestyle and become our next great big. Like he's still a young fella and he's and he's putting up absurd numbers. So yeah. him in the pick and roll with Lowry and stuff would be money to watch. But yeah, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. There's a there's a couple Igadala scenarios for the raps as well, actually. <laughs> yeah. Powell, McCaw, and a first round pick was one of the rumors a while ago, but I think I was saying Powell and Fred Van Fleet, like that finances matched. I don't know it with Van Fleet being is he hurt at the moment? You can't trade an injured player. Yeah, he's hurt at the moment. Um Powell's just come back and he's he's having a great year for us. Uh, and he's got one of the best contracts in the NBA, so he'd be easily tradable. McCaw, I want to see him off our team ASAP. He's getting far too many minutes and he's just a turd. Um, give Kim Terrence Davis more minutes, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens between now and February 6th. What are the moves that are going to, uh, you know, shake up the the power players and who's going to mail it in and just go full tank? Well, uh, Chano, as the rebounding enthusiast as our uh, NBA Fantasy League shows, I want to get your <laughs> thoughts on a potential move for Andre Drummond. Okay. Oof. I've heard a couple... I've heard... Um, Philly could be a destination. Wow. But that, that would involve sending Horford over there. And I don't know what Detroit would want with Horford being that he's on a long-term deal. Um, but I think it's in their best interest to kind of bottom out in Detroit. And if that means getting rid of Drummond, it could be an exciting few years with a, a high draft pick and a healthy Blake Griffin coming back. Possibly, I don't know. Is, does that exist? A healthy Blake Griffin. <laughs> I think it does in a world where like Blake Griffin changes his game and isn't, you know, Sean Kemp anymore. Which you know we know he has a lot of ball handling skills, and if he can do what you know others like Grant Hill and Vince Carter have been able to do and adapt their game for a, a different body which he clearly has compared to when he came into the league. I think that Blake is still going to be a great player to have around. Like he's not someone that's going to pout at the end of the bench because you know, he he's not dunking on guys anymore. I th- I think Blake has a lot of value. He might he might not be an all-star or your franchise guy, but I I can see him being like the the second or third best player on a championship mm. team he's certainly not jumping over any he's keys. looking to that door to get to hollywood <laughs> he's gonna start yeah. acting and get into that stand-up comedy career that's what's happening back to the clips yeah exactly <laughs> um and we might leave the trade talk with one last one that's come up in the last couple of days uh pretty recently i should say uh there's been some rumblings that Ben Simmons may be headed to Golden State in exchange for D'Angelo Russell, which has people in a furor. Um, Brendan, I want your thoughts on this first. Who's in the right here? Um, Well, like it's certainly something that would help both teams and probably more so Philly uh, because clearly Philly seemed to do better with Embiid or Ben Simmons, not and Ben Simmons. It fe- seems like one of those two boys have to go, and yeah, like um, I, I think I think it'd be a smart move for uh, the 76ers to pick up a sort of a D-Lo because he'd he'd give him some good offense. He'd he'd still be able to sort of man the point and and get uh get Embiid his some, but uh, I, I don't see the real fit with Golden State to be honest, like. Obviously, we've got Steph there at the point. Does does Simmons become some pseudo point forward where he's playing sort of small forward for the most part, and he, he sort of does a bit of distribution yeah. here and there, and just like wanders around the paint? Does he become the four, and then Draymond becomes the five, and there's there's their new pseudo death lineup? I don't know. <laughs> um, like I could see it happening, but I think it's certainly it's I think more beneficial than... for Philly if it happens. Yeah, I think I think that uh, Simmons is a better fit on the Warriors than D'Angelo is. That's That works yeah. better for me. I, I could see that working like in the way that they would play. Crap, I've forgotten his name. Dude who smashed his knee up when he played for the Nets and just retired. Oh, Sean Livingston. Yeah. Sean Livingston, yeah. Yeah, I think he could he could play in a similar role to like what Sean Livingston did, but be way more efficient and, and better, obviously, more productive. But 
Livingston and Curry could play together with Livingston as the point guard. Steph is such a great shooter and, and ball handler that he can play off the ball and he can still be deadly. And I, I mean, a lineup of Simmons with Curry, Clay, and Draymond, and you know, a, a dude like Looney or whoever it might be taking that center position, I could see it James working. James really Wiseman, well. baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I could see it working really well, and it would take a lot of the burden off Curry as he gets older to be handling the ball, you know, with such a high usage rate, and allow him to run off the ball maybe he gets some mm. isolations and and uh then you've got another guy who's able to take one of the point guard defend uh to defend point guards on the other team to give curry that play off and clay can stay focused on the wings still i can see it working but it's such a huge trade that you have to think like there's a lot yeah to fall exactly in place. it's i guess it's a testament to how unique simmons is as a player that people don't really know how he's going to fit into a team like Mm. golden state because obviously he can't shoot which is sort of goes against everything that golden state's been about for you know five to six years now um but i i do appreciate that once you put him in a team like golden state you don't know where you're going to put him and he becomes this like to use a, a a soccer term again he becomes the false nine he sort of just runs around the court and no one knows who to who to guard him with or or how to guard him um and that could easily fall into golden state's hands and and allow him to become a i guess a a more unusual player to guard um and of course for for delo it it makes perfect sense for the Sixers to get someone who is of course more of a a pure point guard more uh than simmons ever was uh, because obviously he was more of a power forward when he came into the league um but I think him working the pick and roll with Embiid um, and working with guys like uh, Josh Richardson and Al Horford there could prove to be uh, a pretty solid um, addition. But uh, we'll have to wait and see if that pans there's, out. Yeah. There's two other kind of things I want to mention there is, hey, maybe if uh, Simmons goes to Golden State, maybe Steph Curry teaches him how to shoot. Maybe Clay Thompson yeah. teaches him how to shoot. Is uh is Steve Nash still working out there? I don't think coach? he is. No. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe Steve Nash comes out of retirement. God. You know, puts the the microphone down from commentating soccer games, and maybe he he comes out of coaching retirement uh, to teach. Sorry, I heard I heard the shoot. word Steve Nash out of retirement, <laughs> and my my ears pricked up. I was like, ah. no, I bet as a coach. But the other thing with Simmons is he is still super young. What is he like? 22, 22 or twenty three? Yeah. yeah, he's a baby. Yeah, like his game isn't what it's going to be for the rest of his career. Maybe he's not a point guard. I don't know. There's just a lot of room for him to still find exactly what he can do and do best. And if that means he's never going to learn how to shoot, maybe he develops a, a mid-range game and like DeMar DeRozan. Maybe he becomes the next Jason Kidd and learns how to shoot at the age of like 28 <laughs> or something. Well, uh, given the uh, the interesting graph that showed up uh, over the last couple of days that showed the decline of the mid-range jumper over the last uh, 20 or so years, uh, maybe he can help bring that back into a more uh, yeah. you know, reputable uh, ratio. But uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Zach Levine's trying to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I guess to finish off with a, a bit of fun, um, Brendan, of course, you mentioned uh, Blake Griffin perhaps potentially returning to Hollywood and uh, picking up his, uh, his acting career or his, his stand-up career. But... Uh, course with the oscars nominations that came out earlier uh this week um we all saw the i guess the the ignorance over the movie uncut gems um which of course i only found out recently um was starring one kevin garnett alongside adam sandler Mm. um and thus sort of brings us onto the wide and particularly bizarre world of basketball players appearing in uh, film and TV. Um, Brendan, I want to ask you first, you got any sort of particularly memorable appearances from basketball players in, in uh, film or TV? It so happens I do there, Matt Tilby, and uh, <laughs> sort of stumbling back to that previous conversation, no more soccer talk on this podcast, please. 
But um, the one I wanted to uh, give a give a bit of a shout out to is Wilt Chamberlain is Bombarda in uh, Conan the Destroyer. Wow, <laughs> fantastic, fantastic portrayal in that. Actually, gets killed by Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, at the back end of that movie. Spoilers. Uh, and another one is Dennis Rodman as Yaz in Double Team, which uh, he teamed with up with Jean Claude Van Damme and actually fought a tiger. And I'm pretty sure it was a Roman, like a legit Roman Colosseum. They actually had a fight with a tiger. So. Uh, there's two, and, and one, I guess, in a little bit more of a serious vein was Ray Allen. Obviously, Jesus Shuttleworth, mm. and he got game with Denzel Washington. Probably one of the best basketball-oriented films in history. So mm-hmm. there's my three. Uh, one thing that I was surprised about, too, is Shaq has been in about 7,000 movies. Uh, <laughs> some small cameos. Obviously, Blue Chips was where he cut his teeth originally, but my God, he's been on the screen for a mm. long time. Obviously, I was about to mention the, uh, the absolute masterclass that was kazam the rapid genie oh. <laughs> and then i think there was another one called was it steel where he was a yeah that was yeah. a bad one Diesel. it was terrible yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, it was steel yeah comic book movie i think and, and of course yeah. uh in a, in a sort of a side note i do remember the uh <coughs> the infamous war between dennis rodman and Carl Malone in uh, in wcw uh <laughs> against the the ravenous nwo which was a, a mm-hmm. wild period for for bas- both basketball and professional wrestling but uh it's what do you think Jono that makes basketball players so what's the word I'm, I'm struggling to approachable and sort of suitable for for the big screen I think that they are recognizable more than any other sport in America Definitely, like you got NFL players with their helmets on for most of the game, hockey players with their helmets on for the most of the game. No one watches baseball, so you're just left with the NBA. And it's such a game where you know you got a lot of close-up camera angles between plays. Everyone does press conferences, especially now. There's so much personality in social media and that kind of thing. So you're getting them more than ever, like cameos in. All over the place, like Jimmy Butler was in Office Christmas Party, Kyrie obviously had his own movie, Uncle Drew, and like this Kevin Garnett role was going to be a Giannis role, and they kind of couldn't work it around the NBA season, so they had to set the movie in 2012 to make up for it. Thankfully, KG's still in like amazing shape (laughs) to make that work, and he hasn't aged. But yeah, um, I I don't know exactly what it is that I guess it's just that people like NBA players. What can I say? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think also because they're so damn big. <laughs> like they're they're this massive big eyesore when they're on a screen. Like you see these movies where common folk, you could say, like you or I. I know Tilby, you're the tallest out of the three of us. <laughs> but even you standing next to Shaq, you'd look like an ch- infant yeah. child. Like, and I yeah. think that's some of the coolness about these movies is you see these literal larger than life characters coupled with what Jono said sort of jumping on the screen like even Jimmy Butler like he's you know what 6'6 six, six, so he's not mm. a huge dude but comparative to to um, what's his name Jason Bateman and things Jason like Bateman. that he's a giant so yeah of yeah. course uh, shout out to uh, Chicago Bulls legend Ron Harper for slipping on some orange soda on an episode of Kean and Kel uh, during my childhood was uh, certainly <laughs> wow. a, uh, an infamous moment. Um, you know who's underrated for an acting career is, at least in this conversation, he hasn't been brought up, Rick Fox, former yeah. Laker. Yeah, and esports tyrant. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was in uh, Blue Chips with Shaq and Penny in 94. He was in Eddie, the movie with Whoopi Goldberg. He got game, he played... A player that was like recruiting Ray Allen to his college, I think, and then he's been in like the HBO Prison movie, uh, TV show Oz. Uh, he's done a bunch of TV shows since he retired. Like he's been in a lot of stuff because he's a handsome, very personable fellow. Like he's got charisma, yeah. even at his older age now. He's he's got some mm. swagger. Here we go: One Tree Hill, Ugly Betty, <laughs> uh, Party Down, Headcase, Dollhouse. All right, we get it. He's Big Bang Theory. You know, he's up for grabs. Like, he's he's happy to work. Seems like it. Yeah. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you have some uh, favorite or memorable uh, basketball or appearances in film or TV or 
professional wrestling for that matter. I guess Shaq's been on WWE quite a few times as well. Um, let us know about it. Enos Cantor's on WWE. Yeah, maybe. exactly. 24-7 champion. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. Jeez. What a dearth of WWE talent. But uh, if you have some memorable moments from basketballers in film or TV, uh, let us know about it uh, using the hashtag HoopDreams. Of course, you can also follow our Twitter page at WeAre8Bit. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Tilby. Brendan, where can they follow you? You can follow me everywhere at Brendan8Bit. And Jono? At Jono himself. And that is all for us for the first episode of 2020. We will be back very shortly with another one. But uh, from me, Matt Tilby, Jono Peck, and Brendan White, it is goodbye for now. Take care. Keep dreaming. Boom. Shackle.